Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Uh, with your host, Leo. I said that like it's not me. With 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 me, your host, Leo. It's, hey, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm excited about today's episode. We have uh, the creator, the inventor of the game Pictionary. Yeah, you know Pictionary, that game, you, your friends, your friends' friends, your family, your, your mama, your tia, your aunt Maria. Everybody plays this game. No matter what country, what city, what religion, everybody plays Pictionary and loves this game. I have the founder today, Robert Angel, on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We talk about what he derives his self-worth from. And and because uh, I always thought it was like, you know, the fact that he invented the game or from the uh, uh, loads of money that he has. But no, nah, it's none of that. Uh, we get into his morning routine. We talk about what nourishes him. We even get into how to pick a good business partner. Now, I know you guys are like, business, this is not a business podcast. However, we also find it challenging to pick good people, good friends, uh, to surround ourselves with good people. So the same rules apply, the same the same rules of, of picking a good business partner, same rules for picking uh, your life partner. Uh, we also discuss how to deal with overwhelm. That's right. A lot of us are struggling with feeling overwhelmed right now. And, and that's a feeling that's going to come and go uh, over time. And so if you, it's good to know how to master that feeling now so that it doesn't completely take us out in the future. Uh, and then he even talks about the art of learning what not to do. That's right. We're so focused on what to do. But there's always there's also an art of what not like just don't just like I know you don't just don't do that just I did, 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 put it nope put it that just don't do that so we talk about that and so much more we have a blast uh, and of course if you want one on one coaching go to thrivewithleo.com for coaching with yours truly because you know I've been there I've done that. Uh, I'm still going through that. So uh, if you want to get to tomorrow together, go to thrivewithleo.com. And with that said, let's get into the episode. You know, because I know you created the game Pictionary at a very young age. At, at what point did Pictionary come into play? Uh, after graduation uh, from college, I moved in with three buddies. And I knew by then, as I said earlier, that that I was going to work for myself. My dad got fired. And I wasn't going to let anybody, you know, be in charge of me. I was going to be an entrepreneur or whatever it take, uh, whatever it took. And so when I graduated from college, I uh, moved in three buddies. And one of them said, hey, you want to play this game I learned at college called, we call it charades on paper. Sure. You know, I'm 22 at the time. Sure. Why not? New game. That's, that was the opportunity uh, just to have fun. And as I'm playing this silly game, I'm up all night. And then the next night and the next night. So I'm going, you know. I think that uh, there's something here. I think there's a there's an idea in here, and that's what got the ball rolling. It had a lot of steps in between, of course, but uh, to getting it onto the shelf for the first time. But but that was the impetus. It was just a, a fun activity, but I was always open to creating something. Well, you know, the, the, you I mean, people talk about following their passion and their excitement, and that's what you really did. Like you, you it's not like you like 
this thing could potentially make money. You didn't, it didn't, you didn't like run the stats on it. You didn't, uh, you know, uh, what is it when they, when they like pull uh, data of people to, 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 you know, to figure out if something's going to work. You just kind of, you just went with what you were having fun with and, and took it from there. What was, what was like the first step? That seems like such a, a, a overwhelming task to say, I'm going to create this game. And then, you know, at 22 or 21. Well, you, you, you must've read my book because that was the whole, you know, it's one of the whole premises to my story is that, you know, I am 22 and I have this idea for the game, but I, I was overwhelmed, you know, right now in the, in the age of what everybody's having to, to readjust and maybe find a new career, it's overwhelming. And for me, it was overwhelming to think of all the steps necessary to, uh, to put, get Pictionary going, you know, business plans and marketing plans and all this stuff. I was just completely overwhelmed. And so I, I kind of shut down for a little while. I didn't do anything with it. And finally, I thought, okay, I know I can do this, but I got to get started somehow. So what's the first easiest step that I could take? You know, I, did, I didn't break it down. You know, I, I, I didn't say, well, to get a game on the shelf, I need to do these 10 things. No, that was even, I didn't even do that because that would have been overwhelming. I said, what's the first easiest step I could take? And I knew it was the word list. I knew that that was the, uh, the, the easiest thing. So I grabbed a pad of paper, a pencil, and a dictionary. And I went in the backyard and opened it up. And I wrote down the first word that made sense. And that was aardvark. What was that? I wrote down the word aardvark. And, and it may not seem like a big deal, but given all the things that I was thinking I had to do to get that picture on the shelf – it was it was dynamic. So I write down the word aardvark and I got all excited because by writing down one simple word, I got started, right? I'd I'd been telling myself up till that point that I was a waiter. Right? That was the label I put on myself. And so when I wrote down the word aardvark, I kind of looked around and go, you know what? I'm not a la- I'm not a waiter. I'm a game inventor. That was the new label I put on myself. I believed it. So then I go, okay, what would a game inventor? Well, he's going to write down another word. So I wrote down another word and another and another. And that's how Pictionary got started. I was overwhelmed to think of all the moving parts. But, but getting started with one simple word, that was, that was the impetus. That's what got Pictionary going. So break it down. Don't, don't uh, I, I didn't, or don't break it down to too many tasks. Just take one that you think you can do. And it can be as simple and easy as going on GoDaddy and getting a domain name for eight bucks. Right? That's a step. That's a concrete step. Could be as simple as just writing down a sentence of what you want to do. That's it. Don't stress over the next step. Tomorrow go back and write a second sentence. But it's just taking those minute, those little steps, enjoying the little victory, and they all add up to what you're looking for. You know, there's so many things I want to unpack of what you just said. I want to backtrack a little bit because you said you 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 had the thought and the idea, and then you kind of shelved it for uh, a bit, like a couple years, right? Yeah. So what what did you do uh, in the meantime? How did you fill that space? Was it was it work? And then 
like, was there a book or something that helped you kind of, uh, you know, like I got to pick this bit, this back up, but you know, I got, I got to bite off small chunks. I, I'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of curious as to what happened in that incubation period. Um, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and I'm not going to use the word incubation. I'm, I'm going to use the word, it was just in the back of my mind. So I didn't sit down periodically and try to work it out. Uh, I had to grow up a little bit. I had to be ready. I had to be of a different mindset before I could get started. And it wasn't that, I, okay, I'm going to come up with a new mindset and become this person, and then I'm going to get started. It was keeping it in my thoughts and and knowing it was still there, and I did other things. I, I, I went back to waiting tables. I sold real estate very badly, I might add. Uh, I tried to start another restaurant. I started to start a restaurant of my own. So I tried to do all these things, and none of them worked. That was my school of hard knocks. And when Pictionary, I finally started uh, decided to um, work on Pictionary, I was ready. I was ready mentally. Uh, there wasn't a book. There wasn't any one thing, but it was accumulation of the two or three years of life that led me to that moment. You, you talk about uh, you try to start a restaurant. You you, you, you tried real estate. Uh, it you know uh, a lot of those. I don't want to call them failures, but the things that didn't work for us that that can create a hunger for what you really do want. It's kind of like. When you're hungry and you're looking in the fridge and you're trying to figure out what to eat, what to eat, what to do, and you take some time off and then you, then it just dawns when you go, I want this. And then all of a sudden you're in the kitchen, you're really making it. And, and, and like, there's no, there's no question as to this is what you want and this is what you're going to eat. Um, that when you said you were, you were ready, was there, was there a thought before that? Like, I, I guess I'm asking uh, was it like, all right, this has to be the thing, or I might as well pursue my passion, or I'm trying to get to the thought that that made you say, I'm ready for a Pictionary now? Uh, yeah, I want to get back to your, uh, your, your lunch analogy really quickly. Uh, all those things that I did uh, showed me what I didn't want to do. Well, I still didn't, I knew about Pictionary, I still hadn't gotten started, so I, I was just kind of experimenting and eliminating things. It's like the sommelier who can tell you exactly what the wine is. You know, he, you give him a glass of wine and 90 seconds later, so this guy will be able to say exactly what it is. And I go, oh, you know, every wine in the world? He goes, of course not. But what he does is he knows it's not a Cabernet as he smells and he gets rid of that. And he smells, oh, it's not a Pinot. He gets rid of that. So he narrows it down to what it is. And so... Uh, that's when you're going through the fridge. It's, you know, you don't want, you know, cheese today, so you get rid of that ingredient. You know you don't want this. So eventually you get to what you want. So it's eliminating the negatives, eliminating thoughts and ideas to get what your laser focus. And for me, that's what I was doing, almost inadvertently, but that's exactly what I was doing. And there was this one day where I had my aha moment. Picture I was still in my mind and I couldn't get past the question or the problem of putting words into the game. I knew I needed words, uh, but I didn't know how to put them into a game. And one day I am at home. My mom sends me trivia pursuit and I open up the box and it's fabulous. It's a beautiful box. I'm like all engaged, 
not with the gameplay, but with this beautiful thing I'm looking in front of me. And without knowing it, I could feel, you know, I'm looking back, I could feel my heart starting to race because I opened up the box and I pull out this Trillium Pursuit card. And I turn it over and I see the word polar bear. And I go, holy moly, that's it. I put words on cards. And that was my aha moment. Finding Pictionary wasn't my aha moment. It's overcoming the problem of the word list of putting the words in the game. That was my aha moment. And I knew at that point I was going to take my first step. I knew it because inside, I just knew it was time, but it felt right. I mean, how many times have you you've had an idea for a game or a business or even go to a new restaurant and you get sidetracked and you don't follow through on it? Happens all the time, right? All the but time. All the time. But then it, your, your heart's not telling you. Your gut, your instinct isn't telling you. It's the one to do. It's not your aha moment. It's a good idea, but it's just an idea. So until you take that first step, it's just an idea. So for me to take that first step, when I had that aha moment of seeing that word on the card, I had to take action. I was compelled. I was obligated. And my, and my gut said, you got to do this. So I didn't wait at that point. I've been waiting for three years. But at this moment, in my gut, I knew, okay, I'm going to continue with this. And if I'd have woken up the next day and not gotten started with that word list, well, then it goes back to just being an idea rattling around in my head. But it wasn't. It was, it was time for me to get started and quit thinking of all the steps. And that's why I went in the backyard the next day. I love that. And, you know, the beauty of that is here's many people talk about, you know, listen to your body. And that's exactly what you did is you listen to your gut, you listen to your body. And, and it, it had nothing to do with stats or scores or, or you know, what, what all the outside noise. You went inside to find the answer, and it took a couple years. I, I think so many people want the answer right now. They want it in 24 hours. They want it in a in a tarot card. But sometimes it takes years, and it takes uh, going off in a different direction and trying something different to come back to the thing that um, that 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 you're meant to do, and and that that will give your life meaning. You, you talked about feeling overwhelmed in the beginning in terms of trying to figure the game out. Um, it, it, in the past, before that, how had you typically dealt with the feeling of overwhelm? Um, I have done my whole life what I call timeouts. And that, you know, you can call them, you know, breathing or take, you know, meditation. But for me, I would just remove myself from the situation. If I was overwhelmed by too much input, uh, if I was overwhelmed by overthinking, like picture as we've discussed, I would just stop thinking about it. I would doing whatever else I wanted to do. I'd go to a movie. I'd hang out with friends, whatever, and not think about it. Because I knew that if if whatever I was noodling on, if it was that important, I'd get back to it. But uh, there comes a point where I'm just not proceeding. I'm not getting out of it what I need or putting into it what I need. And so I would remove myself and when I felt ready, I'd go back. Um, and it could be an hour, it could be a minute. Sometimes it took two, three weeks. Uh, no time frame. I, I love that idea because I think sometimes I, I'll hold on to something and, and like think I have to figure it out right now. And uh, it's true. It's like when you go take a shower 
or go for a walk. I think Steve Jobs in his book talked about he called his walks uh, thought walks uh, because he would he would work on something and and then he would go for a walk and and that's when it would hit him. Uh, you know, while he was outside or or distracting himself with with something else. Um, and, and is that still to this day how you deal with uh, the feelings of overwhelm, or has that kind of you talked about meditation? I know a lot of people are doing transcendental. What's what's your form? Uh, yeah, I do uh, transcendental. Med- I do TM transcendental meditation. Uh, I found that it. I found, you know why I do it? Because I do it. I tried all kinds of meditation, guided meditation, all these <laughs> other things. Right? I don't know. And so for whatever reason. TM works and, and it got me into the habit, into the routine. And from there I've, I've expanded, uh, into, you know, guided meditation, all the rest of it. But I, I just couldn't get started. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I could stammer for another 10 minutes of why not. I just didn't, couldn't get my head around it. So I took a TM class that worked. And so I, I had my base and from that I've been able to, uh, to expand into other things. And, you know, it's not it's not uh, set in stone that you have to do X Y Z at every minute uh, or every way the same time every time the same way, uh, but yeah. So I I uh, a big fan. Um, I, <laughs> I I have never I haven't said this before. Um, so there's this. I like pumping myself up too, and it you know gratitude motivation videos and YouTube. The last week, every morning before I start my day, after my meditation and my shower, I play The Impossible Dream on YouTube by Robert Goulet. Um, you're, I know right now everybody's going, what is this guy talking about? But, but on YouTube, there is Robert Goulet. It's like from the 50s. It's an old musical. And it's this powerful, powerful message of following your dream, following your request, overcoming every obstacle in your way. Because when you're done, when you're done with that quest, you can you can lay your head down and go, yeah, I did it. I did my best against all the odds. And it's powerful and it's uplifting. Uh, and it's it's a little operatic. So it's it's kind of a weird sound. But to me, you know, find find some video, some somebody in your head or just an audio that pumps you up for the day. Uh, and, you know, you talked about meditation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, Lil, this is brand new to me this week, and I'm loving it. So I changed my routine up. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I just had a guy on a podcast, uh, Aaron Davis, and he talked about the same thing in the morning. While he's working out, he'll listen to, like, uh, motivational speakers like Les Brown uh, and, and some other guys. And uh, I sure. just started uh, maybe a week ago doing that myself. I, I'm always scrolling through motivational speeches. There's a song called, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, the put it's called like uh, put on sunscreen. Have you heard this? Oh, the, oh, it's it's commencement address. It's fantastic. Yeah, and and, and like the, and they they have this. It's a uh, they have music behind it. Now the one on Spotify, and it's like a five-minute oh, really? oh, speech. It's it's incredible, and you know the, his whole like it's this guy giving out uh, advice. I didn't realize it was a commencement address because I just found it on Spotify, 
and it's, uh, it's from like it's like the seventies or something for the eighties. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's super old, and I listen to it every morning. And you know, it's interesting because every time I listen to it, there's a word or phrase that resonates more uh, than any other day, and it, it's always changing. Do you find that with the Impossible Dream speech? Oh yeah, there's there's twenty great you know hidden messages or messages or vibes in that in that and depending on where my mind is at or what I'm I'm going to accomplish for the day uh yeah different things definitely kick in and that I I uh I, it resonates with um uh, so yeah and I'm singing the thing by the way at the top of my lungs every day so if you listen to it no I'm not just listening to it I am singing that <laughs> every day it's like that's like that pumps me up right everybody's different so so you may hear this and go what but just know that when you find something that i you know this one is repetitive and you know i'll try yours i'll, I'll find the sunscreen one um oh yeah I, yeah I, absolutely absolutely so it, i oh, you know i'm fascinated by daily routines you know i do a thing called germs where i, I every morning is uh, journal exercise read meditate self talk i'm always talking about it on the episode and uh to from what you were saying you you said that the meditation is your base so do you wake up and immediately start meditating and then shower or what's your morning routine uh yeah i have uh it's it's morphed a little bit but yes now my routine is I get up and I do my morning meditation. I mean, almost immediately. And then I do six sun salutations. Kind of gets the blood flowing a little bit after the uh, uh, after the meditation, and kind of just gets me a little heart centered to start my day. Uh, and then I take some some vitamins that I that I take every morning. Uh, that kind of is part of the routine. And then uh, if it's the day, I'll work out, and if not, then I'll meander over to the shower. And uh, I'm still putting on pants, right? In the age of COVID, some people are living in sweats. I used to work at home, so living in sweats was my norm. So my difference is I shower, I get dressed, I comb my hair, I shave, and I'm ready to go for the day. And then I figure out what my day is going to look like from there. I, I love that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty similar there. And But the vitamins I take are, are B12 because that's that's the one that they say you really can't get from anywhere else. And then I'll take like some fish oil uh, or what have you. You're in great shape. What are you, uh, 62? How old are you now? How old am I? I'll be 62 in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, really? What, when's your birthday? Uh, June 12th. Uh, and, yeah, June 12th. And June, June 1st is the book launch, and I'm throwing a bit of a party. Big party. I love it. I love it. Big, big. And now is it, uh, are, are people going to, is it going to be on Zoom, you said, or what is it going to be on? Or are you going to? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I'm, I'll set out invites. They'll be on Zoom, but there'll be uh, watch parties. Uh, and if you just want to go to Rob, the Rob Angel on Facebook or Instagram, I'll be posting it there. But yeah, no, the more the merrier. I'm going to have like I said, you know, celebrities and music and just make it a giant party for the launch of the book. You know, why, why get too serious about it? I love it. One of the things I'm fascinated about your trajectory is that you seem to have maintained a, a zest for life, a passion for life uh, that's been consistent. A lot of times you'll hear about people who create something, invent something, and then they sell it. And then 
they they lose steam, they fall off, they they're they're unrecognizable uh, decades later, and it, and it seems like uh, you you haven't missed a beat. Is is that been the case, or uh, have have there have, were there some areas where you you experienced maybe? Uh, I, I would imagine to sell your company as great as it was, and it, you know you got the money. There had to be a grieving process with that. Uh, yes or no, or was that it? Was it not an issue for you at all? Um, yeah, there, yeah, there was a, a grieving process, as you say. I mean, it was a part of my life for seventeen years. I didn't just invent a game and then all of a sudden it all happened. I was there for seventeen years. Um, but after the grieving process, uh, I guess a couple of things, as you say, it. one, I never associated myself worth with inventing picture and so i never bought into the my own press out of the press that tried to tell me that you know you invented pictionary oh my god what are you going to do next oh my goodness you're special oh my it's like something i did and i love doing it and i love touching life so don't i don't want to poo-poo any of that are you kidding me that's that was the, the side uh the side benefit for sure um but i also decided when I sold the company to live, continue to live life on my terms and how I wanted to live my life. A lot of my friends, there was, there was like five of us that had cashed out at the same time and they all got back into business and did that. And so I'm looking at this, I'm going, what makes me happy? What do I want to do? Well, it was the freedom to not go back to work. So I kept my freedom and I got to raise my kids. I mentored. I did a lot of nonprofit work. I traveled. You know, I had a lot of fun, but I gave back. And that's what nourished me. And so uh, I didn't pretend I wasn't something I wasn't. And so I kept my own personality. I kept who I was. And you know, about five, six years ago, started a different journey. But it's uh, of self-exploration. And, but it's been, uh, I, I, I just managed to, for whatever reason, to remain true to myself and that's been my guiding force ever since. I love that you said, I asked myself, what nourishes me? I, I, I think, uh, you know, a, a lot of us get stuck and, and trapped in, and it comes down to the questions we're asking ourselves. And are we asking the right questions? And are we asking ourselves empowering questions? And that, that's a question I'm writing down. I love that question. What nourishes me? I heard someone actually refer to their weekend as a nourishing weekend. And I was like, wow, I've, I've never, I've never said that about a weekend. I've said I had a great weekend or a wonderful weekend. So th that word keeps popping up and, that, and that's something I, I want to take note of. So I appreciate you, you sharing that, that perspective. Um, but to get into, it's very important for, for the listeners right now, because I want to double down on this idea of, you did not associate your self-worth with, with Pictionary. And the reason why that's a, a valuable statement right now is because uh, a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people are losing their careers uh, because of, of the quarantine. Um, and their identity is tied to their job. It's tied to their careers, tied to their status. Uh, divorces are happening. It's tied to... Uh, their marriage and who they're with, and for you to to separate that is that um, a mindset that you always had, 
Or was that something that as you were coming to grips with selling the company that you started to develop? Um, good question. I, I think, I think, I think it was a combination of both. Um, but it was a conscious decision. So I think it was something I, I, I think it was something I developed when I looked around. Um, and by, uh, disassociating myself, if you will, uh, it just kind of kept me, kept me sane. But I think I, I, I think I actively ask the question, uh, what is going, what is going to nourish me? What is, what is going to propel me moving forward and give me joy? Um, and it took a little while. I mean, it wasn't you know, a one day process. It's kind of like the wine I was talking about earlier. It was, it was, you know, trial and error some of the time, but the overriding factor of, uh, keeping dis- disassent- disassociated with it, uh, was kind of overriding. I love that. Uh, you, you also mentioned, uh, self exploration. <laughs> What does that look like for you? Is that is that part of why you you enjoy travel? Because I always find that I dis- discover parts of myself uh, when, when I travel. Uh, when you think of self exploration, what is that? Is that therapy? Is that journaling? What does that look like for you? Yeah, all, all of it. it uh, about five six years ago, uh, I had done as I said, you know, the mentoring and the nonprofits and everything else, and that was a great part of my life for fifteen years. But then my kids were going to get a little older and I sold my house and you know, I was looking for something new. It was time to the next chapter, as they say. And um, I was a little, I was, I was looking for a new, I want to say new mindset. You know, I knew I was just a little out of my comfort zone near the end of that 15 years. And I kind of figured out why I was. So I went on a, the, the spiritual journey and just trying to get back to being me, because I did picture her for all those years. Then I was a father all those years. So it was time to just get back to being heart-centered. And so the spiritual journey took over, and it's been an amazing ride. You know, learning about myself, learning about why I tick, learning why other people tick. And as you say, doing the traveling and, and meeting fascinating, interesting people that contribute uh, and have contributed to my, my life and my understanding of life in general. Um, and hopefully... Uh, me theirs. Uh, it's really been an interesting, interesting, fascinating time. Uh, very, very emotional time. Uh, one that I'm, I'm fully immersed in. Yeah, I would imagine, especially having how old are your kids? Uh, they are now 24 and 26. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Does it, does it feel strange to say that? Like, like just yesterday, you were you were holding them in both hands, and now, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, they're cliches for a reason. My goodness, yeah, um, I uh, uh, I get conf- not confused, but yeah, I know it's it's an amazing thing to remember. And when you talk to them, and I talk to them, and we reminisce. And even they're going now, well, Dad, that was like 15 years ago. They're even going, holy criminy, where did the time go? So, yeah, it's been fascinating. And we've become much, not even much closer, but so close over the last few years. It's just, it's, a, it's the ultimate blessing. I've always considered myself the best job I've ever had is being a dad. It's the only, th- it's the only job I really wanted as a kid is, was to be a dad. So everything else is uh, is gravy. And... Um, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent, but but my only job was to to raise good humans 
and they are. They're self-sufficient. They give back. They are, they are learning who they are. Uh, and so they are not just good humans. They are good citizens of the, of the world. And I'm very, very, very proud of that. It's probably my proudest moment. I, you know, I think that fathers, you just had Mother's Day uh, Sunday and, you know, there's so much love around moms and uh, it's, it's so celebrated and such a big deal. And Father's Day is like a distant second. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like me in a race with Usain Bolt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even show up. I don't even show up on camera. It's just <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just him crossing the finish line. It's an ugly thing. But. You know, I I remember I was uh, I was coaching a father and and he had a, a daughter and he would take his daughter out uh, every weekend, every couple weekends, so that she would see what it's like uh, when it, when a man takes a woman out. So she would know what to expect. You know, he would open the door for her. he would so he would take her on these dates because he wanted her to know the type of guy she should be looking for. And that was one of the lessons uh, that that he and, and behaviors he wanted to model. Were there was there anything like that you did for your for your kids where you're like, I I really want them to learn this lesson. I want to model this for them. Um, yeah, I one of the things I did. I got a divorce when they were five and seven, but one of the things that we did was I would get my daughter every first Tuesday one on one. And I get my son every first Thursday of the month, one-on-one. So we spent all this quality time together, not, hey, we'll get together when we can. It was our time. And so during those times from five and seven until they graduated high school, I mean, we did it We did it all the time. Um, we got to know one another. I got to impart my wisdom, such as it is. Uh, but yeah, we would go to dinner, my daughter and I, at even 12 years old, 10 years old, We'd sit at dinner for three hours talking about life, talking about each other, sharing and getting to know each other. So by the time they went to high, uh, both kids went to college, they knew who their dad was, where he came from and vice versa. Um, and I can't stress it enough that one-on-one time um, that is consistent. I mean, if you want to get, I'll get into just a couple of seconds, that, that if your child knows the first Wednesday of every month, whatever it is, they're going to get your undivided time for two months, uh, two hours. It's amazing what it does. Or even another human, not just your kids, but knowing that you're going to make the time and they start looking forward to it a week before. It's not a drudgery. And it's not, okay, you know what? We haven't seen each other for three weeks. Let's get together next week. No, set a time. And even for an hour if you have to, but two hours to have a Zoom call or speak to them. Um, I think it's so important to their growing up and understanding where you come from. Because you can't just give them your philosophies over the course of a month or, or even a year or two. It's not going to stick. But if they know they're going to be talking to you or go to a movie, it doesn't have to be dramatic. Well, maybe not a movie now. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't, I think that really went a long way to my understanding of the kids and myself and them growing up. So set that time aside. You know, you're going to have it now. But even when it's over, keep up that time. Be consistent with that two-hour sp- stretch. I, I love that, you know, because w- what's so important about that is that when you know you've set that time aside for them, then that also allows you to schedule time for yourself. 
and and you know where to squeeze yourself in. I, I think so many people uh, overemphasize the time they give to their kids and then they forget about themselves. And it sounds like you've been able to maintain a consistent balance throughout that with your with your morning routine and the six sun salutations that you do. Is that uh, is that the only form of your exercise, or, uh, or do you do like some hit? I mean, you're in pretty good shape. It looks like I know you, you like to surf. Or uh, what else are you doing besides the surfing and the, and the, and the salutations? Something else with an S. <laughs> you know, when it comes to surfing, I'm a really I'm a voyeur. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a surfer, but I do. You know, at the end of my sun salutations, I will do uh, and. If, and flex rates as many push-ups as I can, and then I'll jump into sit-ups as well. Uh, I do uh, TRX as well, so I'm always in motion, as I call it. That it's not necessarily physically an hour a day, which I know I should. You know, I'm saying that, but I'm telling you, I agree. You know, Leo, I completely agree with what you just said to take that hour every day and doing something physical. But it doesn't have to be for me getting my heart rate up, even though I know that's better for me, but it's, it's just walking around, it's dancing, it's singing, but I'm always doing something to keep my body and my mind in motion. And for me, that's what keeps me, uh, well, keeps me physically fit. It keeps me up. And I think that's the thing that that's the uh, conversation that gets uh, dropped too. I can, I can even hear you clicking a pen. Like you're, 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 you're like, I gotta keep my oh. thumbs moving. Something's gotta, something's gotta keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, you know what? It, no, you know what that is? You know what that is? What is it? I take note. I'm a note taker. I mean, I can't. If I hear something uh, that I think is great, I will write it down because I can't remember. You know, we've been talking for what, 45 minutes? If I didn't record, I'm recording it too. If I didn't listen to it, I, I'd have get lost in the midst of time. So I, yeah, maybe a nervous tick to have the pen, but it's a practical reason. I've been taking notes on our talk and things that you say that resonate with me, and I'm writing them down. Oh, oh, I feel honored that you're writing down things that I say. Maybe I'll be in a second book. You know, I'll write the forward for you if you need me to. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, what, where was, I had I had a train of thought I was going to. Oh, the in I terms, have that effect on you. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, uh, I I know you like to feed uh, not just your your brain with the with the vitamins and supplements you're taking and. Um, and also your, your, your body, you like to stay active. Um, but in terms of, you also talked about socially because you started Pictionary with two other, was it two other people? Yeah. Two partners, two partners. How did you go about selecting those two people? Because we know you're an average of the five people you hang around, but a lot of us are horrible at picking those other four. How did you pick these two? I, 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 two, two, two steps. One, I like to say I'm the smartest guy, you know, because I know I'm not the smartest guy I know. And so I knew my limitations to make Pictionary work as a business. I knew I was good at marketing sales, you know, figuring that kind of thing out. But I, you know, I had a business degree. I didn't want to run a business. It wasn't my forte nor my interest. I also knew that I couldn't, I wasn't very good at graphics. Mr. Pictionary is terrible at his own game. And so uh, I, I articulated what kind of physical partners I need to get what job done. 
And then the second piece, which was equally, if not more important, was that I found and find two people that share not only my vision, but share my share my uh, my my morals, have the same compass as I do, have the same ideals as I do. It wasn't a big discussion, but I just had a, a sense that they were good, honest men. And so with that coupled with the vision, it worked out well. You can find people to run the business. You can find people to do the graphics. But if you're going to be working with them every day and fighting with them every day, you better make sure that you're fighting over the product. You better make sure you're fighting over making the business work, not over each other's personalities, not over this ego. So, so I made sure that the two people, and it turned into two, those people shared my values. And that's what, what made it such a perfect partnership. And what were your, can, can you give us some of those? Because, you know, when you look at the list of values, there are so many things. What are one or two of the things that you were looking for? I know you talked about, you know, that they were just good, honest people. But uh, like when I think about me and my girlfriend and, and I was like, when I, when I was single, I wanted somebody who I felt uh, there, there, was a, there was growth. Like we were growing together. There was this consistent reciprocity between us. And and when I met her, I could I felt it immediately. But I was also looking for it. Um, were there any specific values that 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 you were looking for, or a specific feel? Yeah, back then it was all uh, about the feel. That when I met both of them, uh, Terry and Gary, when I met both of them, I instantly knew that they were the right guy. Um, I had asked another friend of mine, one of my best friends, to join, and it didn't seem, it didn't feel right. And when he declined for various reasons, which were all valid, I was kind of relieved because deep down, I just, I went against what I thought. So the next time uh, that set me up for when I met Terry, the next piece of the puzzle, I didn't have that feeling of angst. I didn't have that feeling of maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. I was like, oh yeah, I made him an offer the minute I met him. Uh, the first meeting, I knew he was the right guy. So it, it was a feeling um, for sure. And yeah, I mean, he was smart. He knew his business, really smart. Uh, and so there was physical attributes as well. I love that. And, and so with this book, The Game Changer, why now? Why do you want to write this book now? What, what's the, what is it that you're hoping people to take away? Or what's the message you want to put out there to the world? Um, that... I could get really esoteric, but really it comes down to you can do anything you want. I was waiting tables. I had an idea. I followed through on that idea, and I was successful. But I took that chance. I took that first step, and it just comes down to that. So if people are reading the book and they walk away, they go, man, if that guy can do it, so can I. It's like it's it's not that complicated. The whole picture journey I tried to uncomplicate it. Once I complicated the beginning, it didn't start. So, you know, walk away from the book with feeling good that you can accomplish anything you really want. You just have to get started and find out what it is you really want. And, and what I love is you don't even have to be good at it because we beat 
Robert at his own game. Like I, I, I want to thank you because I, I, I never thought I'd be able to say that to be like I, I actually beat somebody at their. Own. I mean, I say me, but it was it was a team of us. It was a group effort. Good good group effort. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leo, Leo, I have to I have to you know I owe you another thank you because uh, I you guys kicked me and my girlfriends but so badly because uh, I'm really terrible I started uh, practicing my sketching so I think the next time I've got a better shot yeah you guys killed us <laughs> now <laughs> it was a blast though what's funny so had you never lost before because I would imagine you know so many people would want to play you and, and and be out for you and and you know and surely this couldn't be the first time that you lost it and you're like all right I gotta take some sketching classes well, uh, with COVID, oh, gotcha. uh, right. And right now with Zoom, I'm playing more than I ever have in the past. You know, I'd play every year or two or whatever, and it wouldn't matter. But now I'm playing all the time, and the more I sketch, the worse I get, apparently. So I need <laughs> just, you know, I'd like to have a little semblance of self-respect playing my own game. <laughs> and, and, and at this stage in your life, you, you know, you have the book that's going to be released on uh, – June 1st, and uh, we'll, we'll put a link for all that in the show notes. Uh, what's what's the next phase? I always hate that question because I, I feel like it's, it's like you releasing a book on June 1st is enough, and we should celebrate that and be present for that instead of we live in such a, all right, what's next? What's next? Like you get an Oscar, what's next? You know, you win a million dollars, what's next? Uh, but I am going to ask that question. What, what's, uh, is there something next on the horizon for you? You know, if I answer this question any other way, then I have no idea, man. But I'm excited to find out. I'm doing some speaking and I want to share my journeys and share my, you know, the the journey that I went through and hopefully inspire other people to, you know, get started and do theirs. But I don't know what that's going to look like. And every time I start thinking about it, I get overwhelmed again. So once the book comes out in the launch, uh, happens, I'm going to recalibrate, I'm going to think about it, and then I'm going to start taking steps to find out what my next journey is, to find out what, what my next project is. I love that. And just, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that pressure on myself that I've been doing for the last couple of years. Like, I'll find out next month or the month after. I don't know. And I'm looking forward to that journey. Beautiful. And and that's such a great message to so many people struggling with, uh, uh, you know, fear and anxiety and uncertainty over times right now. It's like we, none of us really know, but uh, we can be excited about uh, about finding out what's around the corner. That we, you know, it's like when you watch a when you watch a movie, the, the person could be terrified about what's around the corner in the darkness, so they can be excited or they can walk with peace. So we we can choose how we decide to show up for that. So I, I appreciate you you sharing that. Uh, I have last two questions. Um, what got you out of bed this morning? <laughs> uh, what got me out of bed this morning? Uh, the excitement of launching this book. I got up and I went right to it after I got my routine done of launching the book. It's been five years. And now that I'm doing this party, this launch the way I think it should have been done in the first place, I'm excited. And I'm pulling together pieces, and I'm, I'm enjoying this process a lot. Uh, and I'm excited for it. I love that. that. That's Yeah. 
And and last question, we understand you're not a therapist uh, or in the mental health field, uh, but I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Robert? Well, um, you know, <laughs> you know, if you get to that point, and I don't mean to be tongue-in-cheek about this, but if it's that bad, it can only get better. It's going to get better. It has to. If you're at the bottom, you'll be looking up, right? It, you're going to find something else. It's going to come. I just absolutely know whatever you're doing, whoever it is, I've got something in me that's going to that's gonna change the world. I've got something in me that's going to make me smile. I've got something in me that that is going to give me value, give me hope, whatever it is. And it's there. So don't throw that away. Wait for it to happen. Pursue it. And when it does, that's when you look back and go, wow, that's okay. I embrace that and I'm moving forward. Robert Angel, thank you so much for taking this time to be with us. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE number. You have to take the first step. Take a small step. That's how Robert started Pictionary. He took a small baby step. You don't have to go to therapy. Maybe you start with a journal. Maybe you just start writing uh, letters to yourself or you call a friend or you call an enemy. Yell out from your rooftop. Your story needs to be heard. Uh, Do not suffer in silence. You can go to thrivewithleo.com. If you want one-on-one coaching, and let's get to tomorrow together.